Good morning. I really am excited to be able to preach. And it's so funny that it's been one year since I've spoken. And it's interesting because it's almost a little bit of an extension of what I spoke last year at this time, it feels like. So Jesus has been building on the concepts over the year and, um, and developing it in my heart. And probably it's mostly for me, but I hope that you will come along for the ride too. So I wanted to start with telling you about a story about limits. We are going to talk about limits today, embracing the gift of limits. And this story came to mind being that it is Christmas and um, I remembered what I was doing at Christmas almost 20 years ago um, in 2003 when our baby boy, Boston, came into the world. On December 20th, he came. December 20th happened to be a very special day, not just for Boston to come into the world, but it was also because it was the Bibleville Christmas outreach event. On the same day, which we had prayed, oh God, please don't let that happen, please don't let it be on the same day, and there we were. So we go to the hospital, and um, Dallas is on the phone off and on because he's trying to organize things, and he's got all these kids to pick up on the bus because at that time he did all the things, right? He was the bus driver. He was the leader, the director. He was the leader of the choir, the Bibleville choir. Yes, he was, he was doing this at the front with the choir. And so he's trying to get this all organized as I'm in labor. And so he tells the doctor, you know, I really need to get out of here by four. <laughs> so if you could just make this happen, we, we can get this done. So my family doctor says, we are doing this. And I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Well... We did it, and we brought baby Boston into the world, and as we looked at him and we saw baby Boston, we thought, well, at that time, we were trying to figure out all the American city names, right, because we were on a roll. We had Dallas, we had Brooklyn, we had Boston. We were choosing between Jackson and Boston. He looked like a baby Boston. We went with that, and Dallas was out of there. And I said, goodbye. And I remembered this fondly, actually, and I can now laugh about it. At the time, I was, um, I was slightly less than laughing at certain moments. Um, I feel, I'm sorry, I just can't get this hair off my mic, but I'm looking at it. Uh, so, I embraced the gift of limits that day. And... Because I did that, God worked in a miraculous way. And the Bibleville choir sang, and we had a Bibleville outreach that night, and all was well. And it was not as I pictured it, but it was as God pictured it. And it just made me think, as I, as I contemplate Mary, 
I thought a lot about Mary and the ways that she had to embrace her limits. So we're going to go into that. But today is also our Advent peace theme. Peace theme. And so as we integrate those two things, it just is coming clearer and clearer to me about how the Prince of Peace brings us peace within limitations. And that is not the way that we think it should come. We think peace is just a relaxed state of being, all is well, everything's going according to plan, and that's peace. But that was not the Christmas story in any way. I don't think Mary would have chosen it that way. I don't think Joseph would have chosen it that way. And there would have been a lot of other people around that would have thought, this is not really the way that a king should enter the world. So, peace can be counterintuitive. That is what I want you to hold on to today. And it can come in the form of limits. So as I, I really, really loved the concept of no room in the womb because that to me is like a picture of limitations with the best outcome. Jesus in a womb. Like only God can think of something like that. So let's take a walk. I love to walk through scripture, and I hope that you'll come with me, because scripture, there's not a lot of things that can get me as excited about life as scripture, because it, when, when Jesus reveals something, it's like, it, it's supernatural, right? It just really is supernatural. It, it's nothing less than that. So take a walk with me. Mary is a young they say about 13-year-old girl. She's got dreams and hopes. She's engaged. She's engaged at 13. But she would have had a lot of thoughts and plans for her future, right? Because that's what we do. And it was like the brakes were put on as soon as that angel came in and told her, gave her an invitation of walking into something that would be completely limiting for her. So as that angel came in and said that, I'm just amazed at her countenance and the way that she responded to it. Like she was so soft and so willing to take all of those hopes and dreams and plans for her life and just go, okay, you want me to be pregnant? I am a virgin. And, you know, in that time, like, pregnant virgins weren't super popular, and probably not today either. But it wasn't something that should happen, and it wasn't something that the world around her was going to embrace. It wasn't something that was going to easily be received from the world. She was going to have to walk through something that was way bigger than she could have wrapped her head around 
or anyone else. It's not something she could have explained well. Who does she go to? She goes to Elizabeth right away. Elizabeth must have been in her safe place. Elizabeth immediately breaks out into prophecy and starts telling her that she's carrying the Son of God, which she does know. But you know what? When a friend tells you, when a safe place tells you something and confirms it in your heart, something special happens. And that's what Elizabeth did for Mary that day. She confirmed it in Mary's heart that just because you are limited, it doesn't mean that this isn't God's plan. You hear me? Just because we're limited doesn't mean that it's not a part of God's plan for our lives. So Mary, this is her words, and I have been trying to pray this for a few years because it is so beautiful. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Could there be anything more beautiful and surrendered and worthy of it all than that? Be it to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her because that's all he needed. That was her yes. And she could have stopped the whole plan and God could have moved on to another virgin. If she would have thought, hmm, the limits that this is going to put on my life is just a little too much for what I could bear. Hmm, no, I think I'll pass, God. Because really, she could have said that. Really, we get the chance to say that all the time. We get to either say, Behold, I am your servant. Be it to me according to your word. There's an invitation there that is so profound for a 13-year-old girl to have said yes. It's exponential in what came out of it. And she got to be a part of God's glorious, glorious plan. This 13-year-old girl but she didn't have to say yes. God wouldn't have forced her. He doesn't do that. He lets us have the invitation to say yes. So he sets in motion this beautiful, beautiful story that we get to have today to be able to learn from a 13-year-old girl. And God plants God the Father has God the Holy Spirit plant God the Son in Mary? Beautiful Trinity at work. They're all in on it. This is, this is such a long ago plan that, that it's, hard to, it's hard to wrap our heads around, but we're going to go there and I'm going to show you in scripture because this, that's where it gets real exciting. But before we do... Here's one of the quotes that really spoke to me. Just like Mary, we are invited to let go of all worldly security, power, and attachment through the gift of limits. 
we are invited to let go of all the worldly security, power, and attachment through the gift, because it was a gift, of limits. So the good husband lined up and being welcomed and respected in her community, it didn't matter by then. Because Jesus, her coming Messiah, was worthy of it all. So I just want to define limits because limits can be, um, obviously they're limiting, but they are confusing sometimes. And so this counterintuitive tension that goes on in limits is this phrase, the gift of limits. Because there's always a gift that comes with the limit. God sets up our world like this. Now, the first thing that came to me, that things in the world that have natural limits, was eyebrows. Eyebrows should have limits. Not for everybody, but the world offers options for those who don't have natural limits on their eyebrows. It's better to have a limit. Another thing that came to me, chopsticks. Super limiting. I was almost going to take a a, a little poll in this room and find out, if you're at a Chinese restaurant, are you the one that says, could I get a fork? Or are you the one that says, no, I'm good with chopsticks. I'm a fork girl. Chopsticks are very limiting. But if you are eating sushi... There is no better way to eat it than chopsticks. Do you see the gift of limits? Chopsticks. We're starting small. We're going to get bigger. Don't worry. Then there are things that are universal. And there are, these things are like time. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have the exact same amount of time. Some of us think we have more time than we actually have. But it is a gift to have 24 hours to fit the things in and to manage it well. There are seasons. Here's a quote from Pete Scazzaro that I love. We don't control the seasons. They happen to us. Winter, spring, summer, and fall come to us whether we like it or not. It's a limit. We live in a world in Canada, in this city, where Winter, especially, can be very limiting. But there is a gift in those limits. There is other things that, that get heavier and heavier. Things like sickness, disease, injury, especially those who suffer with long-term sicknesses and diseases. These things are beyond what anyone would think could limit their lives. You don't, we don't even have a clue how many limitations an injury puts on us until we have it. Then there's things like life transitions, like moving. You never realize how much stuff you have until it's time to move those boxes. New jobs, positions, Marriage. Marriage is limiting, but it's a gift. 
You're waiting for a marriage joke, aren't you? I can tell. I could go on and on here, but I love being married. When I was young, I wasn't quite sure. I'm going to tell you that story, too. Um, There was days that I loved being married. By the way, Dallas told a story about our marriage while I was in kids' church, and then all of you came to me afterwards and said, oh, I know what that's like. I know it. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So today, I'm going to tell a story. It's my turn now. Don't worry, honey. It's, It's really honoring to you. New babies. New babies are super limiting, but they are a gift. There is nothing more beautiful than holding a new baby. Enemies and even persecution, trauma and abuse. Now, I just want to quickly say and read to you this verse from uh, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-five to 26, because I think there's really not a lot that really sends the message home quickly about limits than this. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been in danger from rivers and from bandits, in danger from my countrymen and from the Gentiles, in danger in the city and in the country, in danger on the sea and among false brothers, in labor and toil and often without sleep, in hunger and thirst and often without food, in cold and exposure. That's a few limits. Then he goes on to say in the next chapter, this is Paul, if I didn't say that already, and that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. If you know it, say it with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12.10. That's counterintuitive. For when I am weak then I am strong. Do you think that Jesus picked Mary because she was 13 years old? And she just knew she was a humble, meek young woman. One of the best definitions I've heard of humility is this, acknowledging and admitting your limitations. Humility looks like that. When I see humility in motion, it looks like that. Mary's limits could have stopped her from saying yes to God. And I think Mary would have said that verse from 2 Corinthians 12.10. It would have sounded like this. This was in my mind. This is the kinds of things that I think on for, you know, many, many, many minutes. For Christ's sake, I delight in a full bladder on a bumpy road, to give birth on my own in a stinky barn. For when I am dreadfully weak and afraid, then I am strong. Mary's alone in that barn, having a baby. Yeah, Joseph was there, but... mm. (laughs) Enough said. 
he was there. He was a good guy. No, no, no. He was a good guy. But, you know, there would have been limited amounts of knowledge that he had for giving birth to a child. So, okay. My story that I have to tell you. One day, Dallas was dropping me off at my parents' house. And uh, we were still dating then. And we were talking about what it would look like to get married. And... um At that point, we were helping plant the rock. It was in 1994. And the services then were held on Wednesday evenings. And uh, it was actually called the Solid Rock. It started out as being called the Solid Rock Church. And it got shortened to the rock. And at that point, I was going on Wednesday nights. Um, We were in Bible college. And... I was, my home church was Elam, and I had grown up in Elam, so that was, big church was normal to me my whole life, big church. I loved big church. All the things that big church offered, loved it. And I was helping with this ministry, and Della says, so, um, you know, you'll have to stop going to Elam and start coming to the rock if we get married. Huh. Like, now I look at that and think, what was I thinking about? Did I think that was not going to happen? Was I just thinking, we'll just continue to, um, you go there, I'll go here, that'll work out well. But I really was so in the now that I did not want to admit that there would be a limit coming like that. And I remember it hitting me like that in the face, thinking, whoa, this is getting real. What am I going to do now? So that was just the beginning. I did decide, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the rock. I'm going to leave big church, I'm going to live, leave pretty pink pews, and I'm going to go to the rock. And that started me on a journey that required me seeing many of my limitations. Now, today is just not long enough for me to go there for all the things that have happened. Some of you have heard different stories about it. I'm just going to touch on tiny little points. Some of those moments were like me playing the piano, in a service where Dallas would ask for requests out in the congregation. They would give the requests for a hymn that I did not know, and I would be on the piano thinking, I have no idea what this song is. No idea, no idea. Dallas would say, you know, I don't know that song either, but you just go ahead and sing it from the congregation. And then he would look at me and say, just give me a moderate key. Now, if you don't know music, there is no moderate key. So there I was, limited, and revealed to the world that I did not know what I was doing. So I would play a chord, and we would just go from there. Limitation to the max. Humility to the max. Then I would go downstairs. I would get the kids I would hold the two babies. They would go run around and hide on me. I would not be able to find them. That was kids' church. (laughs) Then, 
we would come back upstairs. Praise the Lord, I survived. And we would come and say hello and goodbye to the people that some were inebriated. One guy liked to pull me in for a kiss on a regular basis. I was very fast. Do not worry. I realized my limitations when it came to conflicts and insults, like Paul said, we will endure insults in those moments. And I'm not just talking about with Dallas. I, one day, I took my ring and I threw it across the church. But don't worry, he got the message that day. I realized that I had so many limits in that time that it was, it was so scary to me of what I had said yes to. It took a yes to. It took me years to finally admit that those limits were gifts in disguise. I stand here admitting and celebrating to you that those gifts were those limits were gifts in disguise. And I wish I would have been a Mary at that point and just said, I am the Lord's servant. Be it to me as in your word. I had a bit more of a heels dug into the dirt kind of approach. Don't recommend it. We're going to walk right into the Jesus portion of this story because it's the good, good, good part. So, I'm just going to drop a bomb on you today. Jesus left heaven and went into a womb. Close your eyes a minute. What do you think that was like for him? What do you think Jesus... God, 100% God, 100% human, is doing in a womb. What is he thinking? What is he saying? What What is God doing in a womb? Was he kicking Mary's bladder like my children did? Was he pushing against the ribs so she couldn't breathe? Well, I kind of doubt it. I think he would have been a lot nicer than that. But I do think that he would have been in awe of creation and thinking, this is so worth it. This is so, so worth it. I've been waiting to do this. For my people. There's this quote that I read It's in gotquestions.org. I have a lot of questions. So I go there often. God's own son made his appearance on earth in the lowliest of circumstances. This humble birth conveys an amazing message to creation. The transcendent God condescended to come to us. Instead of coming to earth as a pampered, privileged ruler... Jesus was born in meekness as one of us. He is approachable, accessible, available. No palace gates bar the way to him. No ring of guards prevents to our approach. 
the king of kings came humbly and his first bed was a manger. That's good news. Sometimes I forget how good, how much love was in that very act of Jesus coming that way. He could have come any way, but he came that way. The incarnation of Christ is so massive to give us an example of what meekness and weakness can look like that we are called to possess, that it is exponential. If Jesus can come to give us an example of that, then there is very little that we can say no to when he asks us to do it. And I heavily accent when he asks asks us to do it. So this incredible story happens. I was thinking about how Marvel would have done it. I think it would have been different. Superheroes don't usually make entrances like that. But I was reading in this little book that Hannah gave me, and it is a real good book. The Story of Christmas, The Passion Translation. Now, I barely even got started in this, and I was already stopped in my tracks. This is where we get to see a little bit of God's word and the prophecy of Jesus coming, how early on he he told the world about it. So he had the whole plan for all of eternity, but then he drops the bomb right in this moment. Now, we do not have this on the screen, and I apologize for that. We had some some struggles with the Passion Translation getting up there. So if you want to read this, you can go to Isaiah 7, 10 to 14, the Passion Translation. I will read it to you. Stick with me, okay? The Lord spoke through Isaiah again and said to King Ahaz, Go ahead. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Make your request beyond the realm of possibility. Ask for something miraculous. Okay, I had to read this over and over and over again. So I'm just going to give it to you straight, okay? God comes and offers the invitation to King Ahaz, who, by the way, is not a good king, and says, ask for anything. And in this time for King Ahaz, Aram is threatening to terrorize and conquer Jerusalem. Okay, so there is a lot of threat. There is a lot of heightened emotion for King Ahaz. And Jerusalem is being threatened. But quickly, God says through Isaiah... Don't worry about it. I've got you. He's just blowing smoke, the Aram king. Just have faith. And he literally says, just stand firm and wait. I'm going to make this just fine for you. But King Ahaz is still worried at this point. And God says, like I just read, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Make your request beyond the realm of possibility. 
beyond the realm of possibility. Ask for something miraculous. Here's the bomb. King Ahaz says this. I will not ask. I won't attempt to test the Lord Yahweh. So Isaiah, Isaiah has chutzpah. He is not backing down. He's like, pay attention, family of David. I can just imagine his voice getting really deep. It's bad enough to try the patience of a prophet. But even worse when you try the patience of my God as well. The Lord himself will give you a sign. And this is where the prophecy hits. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will name him God among us. We've been quoting this verse forever. I didn't even know what was happening when he said it. Do you think that Isaiah said this? Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will name him God among us or God Emmanuel. And Isaiah went, wait, what did I just say? What? What does, what does that have to do with what's going on here? It was a completely different situation happening with Ahaz. And Ahaz was in that situation fully. And God drops this prophecy right in the middle of it. It just fascinates me that this is how God works. So why did God say that? Why did God drop that right there? in that time in history. The only thing I can find, the only thing I can think of, is this. You had access to ask me for anything, and I can do the impossible. No one would think to say that a virgin would give birth to God And that's just the beginning. No one would think God should come in the form of a baby and be with us and live like us and be with us. It is so far-reaching, so much farther than his present circumstance that it blows everyone out of the water, probably so much that King Ahaz didn't even have a clue what was going on. What he wanted, what God wanted him to hear was, I can do anything and you missed the boat, buddy. I could have answered any request that you made. And I thought, what a dud of a king. What was he thinking? And then, you know what? I woke up this morning, and I was like, God said right away, Leah, what would you ask for? And it stopped me in my tracks. I realized how little things I ask for that are miraculous, that are beyond that are beyond. And God gives us this invitation every day. Go ahead and ask me for something. I can do the miraculous. Remember, I sent Jesus 
as a baby to a virgin. And he did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I had to repent. We're going to give ourselves time to do that today. Because I couldn't believe how little I would have asked for, so I'm, I'm the dud, apparently. I, I just know that God wants to invite us today to have a moment of ask. A moment of, oh yeah, okay, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came. And it was miraculous. And I have access within all of my limits, all the limits that are going on in my life right now or have gone on for my entire life. Your biggest limit, my biggest limit, is all in the middle of that. And he says, Ahaz, yeah, you might be limited, but I could do anything. Are you going to ask? Leah, yeah, you might be limited, but I'm giving you the opportunity to ask for the miraculous. He wants to do that for us today. Isaiah 9 goes on to say, and this is the quotable quote, a child has been born for us. This is, remember, the the Passion Translation. A child has been born for us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be the Wonderful One, the Extraordinary Strategist, the Mighty God, the Father of Eternity, and the Prince of Peace. It's good. It's really, really good. The Prince of Peace has come, and he kicks the devil in the teeth and says, you don't have the power to limit my people if I say that they are limitless with me. We have limits that God does care about, but doesn't care about when it comes to what he can do. He's limitless. So what I want you to hear from all these pieces of story is there was limit after limit after limit after limit, and God just said, I don't care if there's all these limits. I want to use you. And I'm asking you to come into the middle of it with me, and I will be limitless. I will be limitless through you. I will do things that you could never ever, ever imagine. Yeah? But we forget. We forget. My power is perfected in weakness. That's what God says. My power is perfected. Perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest in me. Weakness, weakness, weakness. You better be telling everybody about your weakness this week because it is boastable stuff. 
This is the stuff that God comes in and says, yeah, she was super limited in that, but I just went ahead and did it anyway. We become conduits of Christ's limitless power when we surrender our limits to him. So we take our limit and we say, here it is. Use it, God, for your glory. It is the most fundamental truth of why God came to this earth. Because he wants to use us to put his power and love and peace into the world. We were so, Dallas and I were so wrapped up in our identity, um, being in what people thought of us, that it was very, very limiting when we were um, doing ministry for a lot of the first 16 years of our life. We lived under limits, a lot of them self-imposed because we were worried about what other people thought. We were worried that if we did this, someone might not like it. If we didn't do that, then we might be kicked out or we might look foolish. When we burned out, we got to the end of that. I was 2011 and 2012. We had the gift of both of us burning out at the same time. Not everyone can say that, but both of us at the same time burned out. It's true. I'm not exaggerating. We had this weird electric toque thing on our heads, and it would like turn on, and we'd feel this sparking thing, and we couldn't even think and make decisions. It was weird, very weird. Burnout was the most limiting thing because all the things we thought we could do were no longer doable. And that's when Jesus came in power. So much power. He rescued us. He took us from the miry clay, from being worried about what people thought. He set us free from the domination that we had put ourselves under and been living so limited, so afraid all the time. And he snatched us and put us in a dry place and a solid, solid rock so that he could rebuild his church, so that he could rebuild our marriage, so that he could rebuild our family so that he could rebuild our relationships. And he did. And you are the product of that. You sitting in this room. Because God does crazy things. We could have said no, and there were days that we were real close to saying, okay, this is done. We, we're, we can't keep going in ministry. We're too broken. We're too messed up. We can't even make decisions right now. We've got to leave the city. We've got to go somewhere else. And God said, no, I would like you to stay. I would like you to do this with me. I want to show that my power works in weakness. 
in the greatest of limits. And he started to rebuild, and he started to change, and he started to heal. And he was so gentle about it. I usually have this conversation with God in those times, and I'd say, God, you know, this would be a lot easier if I didn't have this issue. It's just too hard for me. And he just says so gently, exactly. Beloved, I'm not trying to make this easier. I'm trying to show the world that you need me and how limitless I am. There's this little book. I'm going to end with this, and the worship team can come. There's this little book called My Heart, Christ's Home by Robert Boyd Munger. And it's this beautiful, precious picture of how we are invited to make room for Christ in our hearts. And there's limited space that we have in our hearts That's the truth, is we were created as limited containers. And so sometimes God, often, actually, God is inviting us to make another space in our hearts for him. And in that book, he shows how God will come in and he'll... He'll come and clean out a space. I always think of God coming in my heart and purging. I'm a big fan of purging, love to purge. And, but Jesus is like the master purger. And he comes into my heart. And he takes the garbage. And he takes the furniture that is good. And he places it in the right corners. And he takes the rest out. And it makes so much more room. So much more room for him to do what he wants to do. Because even in his limitless state, God is limitless. I have to make room in my limited heart for him. And so it's invitation, just like Mary got, to participate in that. And he never does it without our permission. He just doesn't. God is not a bully. He will not do this unless you invite him. And so we are going to make some space to ask. To ask him to make room in our hearts for the limits, limitless things that he wants to do within our limits. And we're going to bring first the things that we have been afraid to ask for. We're going to bring our limits that we are so not sure he can use, and we're going to present them to him. And he's going to do the purging of what needs to be removed, and he's going to make room for us to have more of him.